0: Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. What makes good content? Right? We all know that content is queen or king, but what is it that really makes it stand out, makes content really strong? The one, to six. And then how do we get it in front of the right people? These are questions that all of us struggle with and, and try to tackle every single day. So today, to help us tackle these questions and so many more, I'm very excited to have Brett McGrath on, who is VP of Marketing at the Juice and the host of Modern Day Marketer. So there's a little bit of extra pressure. Uh, as we have another podcast host on but welcome Brett.
2: Thank you Rebecca excited to be here and talking about my favorite topic which is content so there's a lot that we can dive into I'm sure but hopefully you'll guide us there and we'll get in and have some fun conversation.
1: Absolutely. Two people who love talk content, talking about content. How can it go wrong? Uh, But first, Brett, a little bit for our listeners. Can you give us a little bit background on Brett, how you got where you are, why you're so passionate about content and, and a little bit about the juice?
2: Sure. So I'm a career B2B marketer. I have been I've probably worked in every marketing function imaginable across every type of B2B SaaS business in a lot of different verticals. And so I started my career marketing to marketers and really rode uh, a rocket ship of a a company that when I joined, went from high, was hyper growth to publicly traded to being acquired by one of the biggest software companies in the world. So I started my career with that experience, and I thought that was normal. Realized quickly <laughs> it was it, it wasn't normal, and so ever since then I've been um, chasing that success in a way and working in working more or less in small to medium-sized businesses, doing whatever I can to kind of build up the marketing function. And the way I've approached that has shifted as the years have gone by, and we can get into that and talk a little bit more. But at The Juice, this is the earliest stage company I've ever joined. I I can give a shout out to our CEO and co-founder, Jonathan, who sold me on the vision of what we were doing. And I joined the business as employee number two um, before we even had a product. So I've been working at the Juice since January 4th of 2021. Really in my main role at the Juice is I'm the leader of marketing, but at this stage of the business I'm really focused on our brand, um, building our brand, having conversations with other marketers. And most importantly, since the Juice is a content discovery and distribution platform we have to be really good at content so i spend a lot of time thinking about what the modern day marketer cares about and creating content around that individual
1: nice and i i think you you bring up a good point when we I'm gonna, I'm not gonna guess your age, but both, At least when I started, right, content wasn't a very big focus of the classic marketing department, right? So in my early career, when I when I had a content aspect of it, it was new. It was fresh, and it was it was like you got all the early rewards that they talk about with content. You get good search, you get good credibility, you bring people in. You know, you have this this communication with them that's not just about you know moving them to the next funnel. And it seemed hard at the time because we didn't have as many tools or ways to really measure things, but I also had so much less competition in this space. Now, it doesn't matter. It seems if you sell toilet paper or if you sell training and everything in between, everybody's got a really like a strong focus and investment in content. So that means that you're up against not only just your competitors, but often, people selling entirely different products, but to that same space, and you've got to try to now make your content really shine in that space, and it's it's a whole different level of challenge. So let's talk a little bit about sort of what your process for making content that really stands out.
2: Yeah, so I think it it's it shifted a little bit over the years, and I think probably asked me this question, you know, five to seven years ago, it was really focused on kind of the, how can I create content that fits into this whole idea of inbound that we're all obsessed with as marketers? So how do I make sure that I'm have the right keywords. My blogs are SEO optimized. So when someone goes to Google and they're searching for something that applies to them or where we want to show up, our articles are are there and they're relevant and people can fall on them. And I'm not saying like the inbound methodology is expired or stale. It's not. Marketers from all over the world practice, you know, keyword optimized blog posts, apply that have their own strategies, have SEO strategies. And I think this is great. I think for me, I don't lead with that at this point, especially, and I think this has been a early stage learning for me at this business. You think about like, I think the Scott Brinker MarTech landscape infographic that from 2022, I was just looking at it. If you like Mm -hmm. zoom all the way out, like there's, you know, more companies than ever before. Everyone looks like a small dot on that, on his, infographic. And every one of those dots has people doing content and they're all playing that game. So there's competition when you're playing that game. And I think for me in my process, what I always try to do is how can I differentiate? How can I write? How can I create podcast episodes? How can I create videos that are going to be different than what everyone is used to and about? And I think the biggest thing that I've learned about my content and what's worked and what hasn't. What works is when I'm writing from the perspective of myself and my experiences, and I'm not thinking so much about how many keywords I can fit in that blog post. It's more, let me write long-form content around things and topics that I know the people on the other end care about and want to learn about. Let me be a little vulnerable. Let me structure the content in a way that is easy to not only find reach but resonate with members. And just the way I've always gone about it is let's let's try to find a hero. Like what who is the person we're writing for? And let's not be, let's not be, let's not overgeneralize. And let's not say, okay, all marketers in B2B, this is for you. Because quite frankly, I think when we do that, you lose a little bit. It becomes a little generic. And when your message is generic, instead of being for everyone, it really becomes it, it turns into a piece of content for no one. So for me, specificity has always been really a key trait, building that hero and explaining that hero. And then also for me is being as real and genuine and authentic as I possibly can be. If I'm writing a blog post and I'm not having a great day, I might talk about that in my post and try to relate it to something that I'm trying to convey from a marketing perspective.
1: Yeah. And I really like that. I think in some ways in our current roles, we have since the where we where... The people we're talking to also are a lot like us right but that is not true for us either one of us in our entire careers right so everyone could be like oh it must be easy because you're writing to people who are like you and who care about the same things and it is delightful i'm not gonna lie but it is it is not the only way to know your hero and to know your audience and to make sure you're doing it direct right like that is i think one of the gifts of a good marketer is To be able to understand and write to and connect with an audience, even if that audience doesn't look like them natively. But I think it's also really important so that you don't have generic, you know, buzzword optimized content.
2: Yeah. So I, before I jumped back into marketing to marketers, the last stop I was at was a product that was for K 12 education. Now I have teachers in my family, but I have never been a teacher, nor do I try to be one so, what what I did in my process was let me do let me find individuals in our customer base, people that we want to be our customers. and let me let me see if I can get them, have some questions, do some deep discovery, and try to understand their pain points and try to understand what gets them out of bed in the morning, why they love doing their job, and try to unearth all of those themes and topics. And then, if you do this, and, and and I did this back at the Jews too, because marketing had changed so much since I had been in it from a marketer's perspective, marketing to marketer's perspective. And I would not be where I was am today with our content and content strategy if I didn't take a step back up first and say, all right, let me not just go publish and produce, but let me take a step back and let me start listening. Let me find the people. Let me have conversations. Let me do discovery. And when you do this and make this a part of, your day to day. And my goal every week is like, I want to talk to a new marketer. I don't even who's a stranger. I don't know them, but I want to do that every week. The more I've done that, the more notes, the more understanding learnings I get. And then I synthesize those notes out and begin to pull themes. And those themes really are the catalyst for the content that we're creating.
1: It's a really good point too, because we do the same thing. Like, yes, I have a product background. Yes, I have a marketing background, but I can't just rely on that. I've not been in that space in the big way. You have to continually do this in order to make sure that it is fresh and that it's current and that it reflects how the market really is today. I love your comment too about specificity. I think there's always a desire to write like everyone will love it, but you know, we all know that doesn't really work. But then I think the the challenge comes When I have a specific, the more specific I am about who it's for and what it's about, the more important it is to get in front of that particular audience too, right? I can't mass send it out because then I'm not getting to the specific person. So I think after we think about, okay, so I've got great content. The next question is, particularly I think with a new product or a new vertical you're trying to get out, maybe you're expanding into a new target audience. How do I get the content in front of them?
2: This is the, I think this is the hot question or based on my Mm -hmm. discovery with the market right now, this is what people are interested in most, which is what's cool about the interest around it. And I'm going to answer your question. I'll hit it head on. But what's cool about this is that people are not comfortable anymore. And I'm finding that with marketers where it's not, I'm not going to keep writing these blog posts and just publish one, hopefully Google does its thing. Hopefully the inbound things all work and hopefully people find us and on to the next one. And it's this content factory mentality that we grow into because it becomes second nature. What I'm finding is that people have a desire to do more. They're going to do the inbound thing and they're going to rely on it for audience growth and new visitors and new eyeballs to the website. But it's also being proactive with your content. So how do you be proactive with your content? The way to be proactive with your content is to think about distribution. So when I think about distribution, I think about, okay, if the content that I am building on a regular basis is for content marketers and for VPs of marketing or their boss, how do, how do I ensure and make sure that the people who I want to see from those accounts, the individuals, how do I make sure that I'm getting the content in front of the right people? And the way I, I've gone about it is find your, what are your channels? Where are the where do the people hang out to learn when you're not in the room? Like what are those channels? So a lot of people would say LinkedIn, a lot of people would say Twitter. Those are great channels. Be a part of the conversation. Don't start just pushing your content. It's more effective if you listen first reply to other people, comment, build that rapport, build those relationships on on those those social media platforms, and then start sharing your content. It's incredible what happens when you start first with listening and engaging and then sharing. So those are the traditional social channels. But then also, I think a big opportunity, what I've uncovered and what's re- what's been really good for us is the juice is just tapping into those Slack communities where people go to learn. There are so many different uh, niche communities across B2B. There's a community for everyone. And it's the same approach. You get in those communities. Typically, my process is what I like to do is I like to introduce myself to Whoever's running these communities and just let them know like who I am, what I do. And I say, like, if there's if you have an opportunity for sponsorship or if you're looking for support in this community, let me know. I I'd love to get we're early stage. I'd love to get the juice brand in front of these people. If not, no worries. But then also that's where I start engaging. I start having conversations and then I start sharing content. You build those relationships in real time. And content really is like it is the glue for those relationships. And then what happens from that? you meet people, then we've got a podcast and you know this, these people are experts in certain topics. You invite them to be on your show. Then all of a sudden content is really transforming the business from a perspective. It's not just about getting people inbound. It's not just about getting leads, but you're creating relationships. You're establishing, uh, you know, social proof people. They're going to tell their friends about those interactions. And so it all really starts with distribution. So instead of just like, hitting publish, and then moving on to the next one. I think it's we all as marketers should spend more time thinking about how do we maximize all of that energy we just put in the post to make sure the people we actually want to see these our posts and it applies for, make sure we're getting in those places and getting in in front of that group.
1: I like a lot of what you just said there. Uh, I think it's really a good way of of putting it to you. I think a lot of people think of content as a a broadcast medium for lack of a weather word, right? Like I put a blog post and I push it out, but that, I mean, that's lovely if you have a whole bunch of people standing there waiting to listen, but, but the, but why, you know, particularly again, early on, why should I listen to you? It's partly because you listened to me and you showed credibility. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you can't, you can't really skip those steps. And I I think the other thing that people need to remember, and it's hard, sometimes you you can't buy yourself around those steps, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't, I'm just going to go spend a bunch on Google ads and we'll skip ahead to the part where they trust me and love me and come here. And and you really do need to do the work. And that's exactly what it is. It's a work to find out where they are and to have real conversations with them where you are listening and you're providing value because that's the value they need, not necessarily because that's the value that you can deliver that will definitely go to the next step and and close the process.
2: I'm going. I'm going to like call myself out on this and say I thought I was doing this a few years ago when my boss would say to me, "Hey, we've got some extra marketing budget for the quarter. We need it spent in the next three weeks." Like that's a dream scenario for the marketer. Oh wow, extra budget. Let me go use this. Well, what would I do? I'd fall. I didn't wasn't thinking about distribution. I was thinking more for, of quantity over quality. And what I would do is I'd call content syndication up say, Hey, I've got five, 10 K extra. I've got this piece of content, go promote it. Well, then what would happen at the end of the week? We'd get a, a CSV file full of names, would upload them in our CRM. And I'd say, wow, I hit my lead total for the quarter. Sales have fun with these leads onto the next. And to me, like I thought I was doing content distribution, but I really wasn't. It was a transactional mindset that I had. So I think for me, what's the difference between distribution and something like syndication? With distribution, you're not focusing on the quantity and volume metrics, you're really focusing on the quality. And so I think you, to get into this mindset and to actually push forward with distribution, you really have to change the mindset. And maybe it's a culture shift internally mm-hmm. around the numbers and the metrics and what you're actually trying to do. Because yes, we need more, every, your boss, the board, everyone always wants more, but like, dig into that. Like what is more really getting you? If you spent more time doing distribution and the leads were fewer, but the quality was up, what does that actually mean to mm-hmm. pipeline in your business goals? So I just, I've been on both sides, and I'm feeling a little transformed now I'm in this world of uh, distribution, but I know it's, it's difficult, and it's a, it's a culture shift internally.
1: So I hear lots of people in my ear by, by our listeners thinking, oh, this totally makes sense, but I don't have time for this. But how do I find time to research these, engage in the conversations? How can I do this at scale?
2: Yeah, so I would start with don't try to do it at scale at first test test one channel, like where is the channel that your audience goes to learn your your what the individual, the role, whoever you're trying to reach, where's the main channel, the platform that they go to learn to connect with other individuals, and find a way and to start there. block your calendar off, dedicate time each week to going into that community, and just providing value introducing yourself, providing value, answering, being a part of the conversation. There are literally Slack communities for every everything. So I would I would start there. And if you can't do that, then this strategy probably isn't going to be for you this takes some time this takes mm-hmm. establishing but what will happen not only for your brand but for you personally you will begin to build your individual brand around this space and people buy from people people want to learn from people so you are your brand's number one distribution channel and by doing this people will start to associate your bra- who you are and what you do with the brand you work for and that's really really good for your brand, because when they have a problem and your product solves it, they're going to turn to you. And how cool is that as a content person, a content marketer to say, hey, sales rep, I met this individual in our, this Slack community, and they're interested in learning more about our product. And you're facilitating that conversation inside of the organization because trust has been established. And that started in a Slack community, in Twitter DMs, on LinkedIn so that would be my challenge push back to the group if you don't have time for it it's probably not for you but if you're interested in it dedicate time and make it a part of your plan
1: but I love that like you just have to start with one I think often too we think it'll be our new strategy and we go like from zero to like a hundred in our mind and I'm like well we can't get all the way to hundred never mind and you're like no no <laughs> we can we can do this I mean a lot of people do that with ABMC right where they're like right, yes start one <laughs> one step at a time the other thing I think about this uh just from a purely selfish perspective, right? Think of how the credibility of yourself within your organization rises as you become sort of the voice of that, right? And the the powerful way that allows you to build credibility, not just in the market, but internally. And also the listening you do to establish that relationship is going to provide such amazing feedback and perspective as well. So it, it really has selfish advantages at a personal level, as well as for the product and the company. 100%
2: I love how you call that out we've had examples at the juice where meeting people organically having podcast conversations like this staying in touch with people people have come back around and raise their hand and say you know what like. I think we're, we've been talking about things that the juice does, and I'd be interested in learning more and me making that connection and then those individuals becoming our customers. And it all started on Twitter. Like, it yeah. all, like to think about that all the way through. And it's like stuff like that's not necessarily scalable, but it's just like putting in the reps and sets and building relationships, creating content, collaborating, doing it the right way. Things come around and people, you've earned the trust. And that's when, kind of some magic happens. So yeah, I, I love how you called that out because I think being that individual at your brand who can be the the focal point and the central point where you're not only creating content, you're not only distributing content, but then people are coming to you to learn more about your product. What your product can do really just shows you the power of of content.
1: Yeah. And, and like you also said, having this conversation just gives you a stream of content collaborators and contributors, like good podcast guests or people who want to to create guest blogs or any of that, like that in and of itself also is, you know you can think about the time it will take you to do this, but also think of the way it would accelerate some of the other part that you're already doing. So you're out, you know, pounding the pavement to find content contributors, spend that effort here and they'll come back to you a little bit more naturally. So there's always a little bit of a give and take.
2: 100% and I would say that the more that you can focus in on your macro we have branded it Modern Day Marketer. And the Modern Day Marketer is the brand marketer. It's someone who's brand focused, is a collaborator, values their audience first, experience, a bunch of these things that are being talked about right now in B2B that maybe weren't talked about five years ago. And so when we use Modern Day Marketer, we want our audience and people to think about the things that the juice is talking about are these traits that make up what, who I am and what I do. And so that's what we just, we, we found that the more we lean into the the brand, of the individual that we're trying to go after, the more the interest comes back to us on people that say, you know what, like I've got a cool modern day marketing topic that I'm uh, working on. Like, I think it would be good for a conversation on the show. And then we start, it starts to snowball. So I would say like, be focused in on what your macro topic is. And because you want that macro topic to be a magnet, not only for collaborators, but future customers of your brand.
1: So having a from macro topic, sort of a, a kind of larger umbrella point of view of which they can find their spot, not too specific where it's like, do you do this, but wide enough where they know this is the point of view, this is the brand, the personality, the focus of the juice, this, and they can kind of find their connection to it.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's calling out the topic and then under the, the hero in the story, which is the modern day marketer, then underneath it, here are the traits that make up the this individual from the juice point of view. And here are the traits. So let's start creating content around the traits. And then you have individuals in market who identify, they might not identify with all the traits, which is totally cool. It might be two or three. But that's enough for them to want to hop on a podcast to riff about how they're doing X, Y, or Z for their brand. And I think it took us a first turn. We did a turn and it took us a turn. But once we turned into that modern day marketing message, that's when people started coming to us and wanting to explore the topic further.
1: Yeah. One of the things, Brett, you've, you've said several times just by giving your examples is how important it is for us as marketers to try things. I do recognize that they won't always succeed, but be okay with that, right? Like you've talked about, I did this, that didn't work, we did this and then we learned this and like, but that's, that's not to me, that is the sign of a very strong marketer and not a weak one, right? If nothing we try fails, we're certainly not trying enough and it is those evolutions and it's the iterations that help us get stronger and stronger. I,
2: I have failed more than I've been successful.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> and,
1: uh, <You> get
2: t-shirts. One hundred percent. I literally, like, I was. I went to my team yesterday in our go-to-market meeting, and I talked about something we launched, and I came to the, we've done it a couple times. The first time knocked it out of the park. The second time was a little different and we knew it was different coming in, but just the results weren't where we wanted them. And so I came to the table and said, Hey, this is on me. This is it. This wasn't great, but I think we learned something. What do you think? And internally? Okay. Yes. And we're having that conversation and less than 24 hours later, we're already planning How do we save ourselves time from doing some of the things that didn't really have any impact on that? And how do we streamline this process based on some things we already have? And that all came because we admitted that it didn't work and we didn't try to double down and do it again. So it, this is, it's taken me a decade plus in B2B marketing to realize that being vulnerable actually is a superpower and admitting the mistakes is actually a superpower. And the more you do that, the quicker you are to finding the right answers. And I always view marketing as one big experiment anyway. You're not going to win all the time. It's very rare that you do.
1: Yeah. I, I think you said something else smart there that I know if I was going to follow one of my own swords, I am very good at trying new things. I'm a big believer in that. I, I, we need more discipline about stopping things, right? About recognizing that it doesn't mean it will never work. It doesn't mean it's not possible somewhere else, but it's not a good fit for us. I right know we should stop that. That's an important part because it also enables you to have the energy for the new ones. but it's, it's a hard one for everybody. <laughs> I think, it is, it for is. And
2: I th- I think I've learned that like transitioning to different companies and in different industries and different verticals. I I've shared that I've worked in a lot of different types of spots. You're what you're running at one company is not transferable to the next company. You got to take the time once you get there to do your assessment and have conversations and then see what applies. I learned that early is like trying to transfer over from one, one company do the other. Oh, this playbook's going to work. It it doesn't work like that. But I think so often marketing, we think that these things are transferable, and it's it's better off to just start fresh, clean slate, act like it's your first year of marketing, and just be very very curious and start having a bunch of conversations.
1: Yes, absolutely. All right, Brett, we talked about lots of different things today. If you were going to have our listeners do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would you do?
2: I would say the most important thing I think we can all be doing as marketers when we are creating content is be authentic and be yourself, build your personal brand in the content that you're creating. That is going to be your, it's never quick to resonate, but that is your quickest path to resonate. People want to learn from human beings. Like So our opportunity with there being so many different competitors, so many different types of companies who do the same thing that we do. Don't focus in on your features or functionality. Focus in on you as the individual and your experience and educate your audience along the way. That would be the first piece. I think the second piece would be the way marketing is moving is going to be more and more about focusing in and understanding distribution and the content that we're receiving as a consumer and the content that we're producing as a creator. So whether you think it's hard, whether you think it's not for you, I would strongly recommend. I'm going to throw a name out there and have you follow this individual because I've learned so much from him and I would consider him the leader in content distribution. Go follow Ross Simmons on Twitter. He's the CEO of Foundation, but this guy is an expert in content distribution. I've learned a ton from following him on Twitter, listening to his podcast watching them on youtube but go find those individuals who have been there done that and he is the one guy right now talking about content distribution there will in the next year or two there will be a lot more but ross has been there from the beginning so go find those people and learn from them they're they're sharing their secrets and information out in public and it's, it's on us as the marketers to go learn from those people
1: awesome all right brett It was really a great time to have you on today. Thank you so much for coming in and talking about your experience and your insights. It was a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much, Rebecca. had a blast.
1: All right, that does it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.